Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, the media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. On this episode, I sat down with Mr. Delvin Carter, CEO and owner of Saya Collective, which he founded in 2019. Saya Collective, which stands for Somewhere in America, is an independent Black-owned business. They do shoes, apparel, hats, accessory bags, jackets, they do it all. High-quality products. Delvin Carter recently made a plea to Kyrie Irving to sign with Saya Collective instead of Adidas or Pumas or New Balance or some of the other companies that have reached out to him after Nike dropped him. His main reason is that he is offering Kyrie ownership. And in his words, when you have that, nobody can drop you because they don't agree with something you do or say. This was a powerful interview. Hope you enjoy. Mr. Delvin Carter, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show, the rematch, uh, basketballnews.com and Fly TV. Now you're the CEO and the owner of Saya Collective. And I, I want to really jump right into it because I'm so intrigued by by I, I saw your um your address to Kyrie Irving. I'm following everything that was going on. I saw you comment on, you know, on, on my post when I posted. I, I really want to get into all this, but um, let me read a little bit of your background. So you you founded the brand in 2019, right? Um, 
Sci Collective, which stands for Somewhere in America. It's an independent Black-owned business. You do shoes, apparel, hats, accessories, bags, jackets. You you do it all. Yes. And it's high-quality products. You know, I know that's always a question, but it's 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 high-quality. And the shoes are dope. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they, they really are. And I, I wanted to, to really delve into this, this topic of Kyrie Irving in particular. Um, like I said, that you made, you made the, 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 the video link um, towards him. And it was after Nike dropped him. And you, you presented Saya as an alternative to going to some of the, the brands like Adidas or Pumas or you know, New Balance or whoever is reaching out to him now. And there was two things that really caught my attention. And it was a short drop. And you, you said that your oppressor is not going to finance your freedom. Um, I thought that was really great. And you said that Kyrie could have 100% ownership of his own shoe. So let, let's start there. Why, from a business standpoint... Uh, would it be better for athletes to consider going a different route than they are typically used to going as far as shoe contracts? Well, because especially with somebody like Kyrie, he's a proven ROI. He's a proven return on investment right out the bat, right? He's the number two signature athlete sneaker sales for Nike. I think mm-hmm. LeBron may be above him, right? But he's right there. He has a his shoes at a cheaper price point, plus the kids love it. So he's... Let's say, I think they said last year, Nike paid him $11 million in his royalties from his shoe sales. Now, say he made $2 billion or $1.8 billion for Nike. What is that percentage when you break it down? People are not buying the shoes without Kyrie. You know, those are the Kyries and Kyrie, just the same way Curry sells shoes because he's Steph Curry. So, right. like, for example, what I told this team, I said, listen, if we, we can get a shoe at the price point of the same as Nike, say we can get it at 150 or 160 we sell 1 million shoes in the first year, you just made $160 million. That's more money than Nike has ever paid you. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is with a lot of athletes, it's all they know is endorsements. Since they were in AAU, they've been given these shoes for free. So they've already been steered to think as an employee than to, than to think as a leader and as a as a business entity in yourself. Now we're starting to see with the name and likeness deals in the NCAA and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. these companies have been getting money off of these basketball players since they were teens and even younger than that, depending on how good their skill set was. So the system is designed for you to, once you take a check, you're an employee, right? Yeah. When you take a check, you're an employee. You're not an owner. Your name is on that. But right now, Nike dropped Kyrie. Next year, they could come out with this the first Kyrie shoe and call it the Nike One, and it's going to be the Kyrie shoe. But without his logo, they can still sell it. You didn't have any ownership in that at all. And one thing that I do know with Kyrie is that he does give input on his design and the designing of his shoes, which he takes a lot of pride in that. So I, I knew that from watching just different interviews with him and, and knowing that, that he's really – that's Kobe was the same way with his shoes. Kobe wanted, you know, insight on how to design his shoes because Kobe was the first basketball player that really made low top basketball sneakers a thing. And that's because when he grew up in Italy, he played soccer and he realized soccer players have less ankle in, uh, injuries than basketball players. So the high top basketball shoe really didn't protect your ankle. And Kobe broke that mold. And now you see so many low top basketball shoes. Let me ask you this. Let's talk about the quality of your shoe. I know that's um, always a, a first question. Um, and I thought I saw something that was kind of interesting. Um, you correct correct me if I'm wrong on this. So so like Nike, um, back in the day, um, they may have been 100% leather. 
right? But now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, if you put like 1% or 2% leather in a synthetic mix, you can call it leather, right? And, and so that, that is one of the ways that certain companies cut corners, but you don't do that with your shoes. So talk, talk about the quality of your shoes. Yeah, so my mom was a seamstress. So since I was like six years old, she used to send me to fabric stores to buy fabrics. So I've always known about quality fabrics just because it was ingrained in me at a young age. And then when I started becoming a sneaker customizer, I would buy the real leather. But when I was a sneaker customizer, my style was to take the shoes completely apart and rebuild them. So over the years, I started doing that in 1997. So then you get to now, we're in the 2000s, 2020s, and I used to cut open these shoes. And I'm like, man, this ain't even real leather. This ain't the same leather that the retros used to have. But now the price is higher and the quality is less. So me as a as a seamstress and a designer and like buying these good leathers, when I made my own company, I said, I got to do the opposite because if now everybody's doing fake leather, I should be at a company that come in and do the real leather again and bring that same quality back that I remember from when I was a child. Mm. Now, you can again, correct me if I'm wrong, but Nike actually borrowed, I'll say borrowed uh, some of your designs, right? Yeah. You know, or they were inspired by some of your designs. We could say that. Yes. Um, maybe a different way. Talk about that aspect as well. So when I was a sneaker customizer, I, like I said, my thing was always, always like telling stories through my customs and stuff like that. And one thing that I had liked at the time was three and reflective fabric. So I had, and my favorite Jordan was the Jordan six. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take nobody as a customizer that's taken a part of Jordan six and like re posted it. They always did Jordan ones. So I said, I'm going to do the six cause that's my favorite. So I did the whole shoe over and three and reflective fabric. I had an embroidery machine and I embroidered Nike ear to be on the back of the shoe because Michael, uh, when they make retros, if Michael Jordan didn't play in them, they wouldn't say Nike ear in the back. That's a thing. Like they would make, a six retro in the color he never played in, but it would have a Jordan Jumpman logo on the back. It would never say Nike Air. So I said, you know what? I'm going to put the Nike Air back there. I did the mm -hmm. whole thing. Two and a half years later, Nike came out with the exact same Jordan 6 with the three and reflective material. Like, everything was the same. The same colorway, the same sole, everything. Instead of, you know, hitting me up, I know that's where they got it from because there's times I've done um, like community give backs where I would feed the homeless or give homeless people. I would have my, my people send me shoes that they don't wear anymore. We would go in San Francisco and mm -hmm. Oakland and give out the shoes and give out food. And then there's been employees from Nike that would DM me like, Hey, I would love to, you know, give some shoes for you to donate as well. So I know people at Nike did follow my page. And it's funny that that custom that I did went to production. They never hit me, never said we can make it a collab. Didn't give me anything. So that's when I said, you know what? That was the first time. The second time they did it was with Craig Sager. So Craig Sager was always known for these wild suits and stuff. So I think it was even before he passed, I did a whole Craig Sager custom on a Jordan 1 with these different paisleys and all this different stuff. And ironically, a year later, Nike comes out with the same like Jordan 1, literally mimicking a lot of the, the you know, the uh, patterns and the stuff that I did, which I'm going to post on Throwback Thursday to let everybody know who's copying who. Because that's when I said, you know what? Okay, they want to copy me and did not pay me. So I said, okay. I'm going to take one of their shoes, which is the Jordan 1, and I'm going to call it D1Y, as in, like, do it yourself. So I said, do one yourself, and I put a dead vulture as the logo on the side because 
they're culture vultures. So right, dead vultures you. can't fly. So I put a little vulture on the side with an X in his eye, and it was my way. But I made sure I changed it enough so they couldn't sue me. But it was my way of saying, you didn't want to pay me. I'm going to take what you did to me, and I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to get the money you should have paid me. So that's that's how it started. I started doing the dead vultures can't fly. It was my way of saying, I know what you're doing, and I'm going to do it back and see how you like it. And, and you also did that with Under Armour, right? With the Steph Currys, correct? No. So with Steph Curry, our relationship is super great. Um, so like I said, I used to teach uh, underprivileged kids in Oakland how to sew, design, and make their own shoes. Steph Curry follows my page, and he loved it. So he, he reached out, and his team reached out. was like, hey, can we – can you have your kids design the Steph Curry 6 Christmas shoe, Christmas, and we call it the Christmas in the town. So the kids got to design it. They did their own colorway and all of these things. They made their own snowflakes. All of this is on the bottom of the shoe. And then mm -hmm. the insult, they threw a party with the kids and Steph Curry. So they got to meet their hero. And then they, we went to the Christmas game against the Lakers as Steph Curry's guest. So, wow. so that was like that partnership. But before we even got to that partnership, I had customized the Steph Curry 2. And that year when the Steph Curry 2 came out, that was the number one selling signature basketball shoe. Like it outsold LeBron, it outsold the Kobe's and the KD's put together. So I had did like a, a, a custom for it because that was the year they were 73 and 9. Mm -hmm. And I said, because everybody said, all I do is Jordans. Why don't you make an Under Armour shoe look good if you're really good? So right. I did it and I had it on with some black jeans and people from Under Armour hit me up like, hey, We've never seen anybody make the Steph Curry shoes look wearable in streetwear. So that's when they started seeding me stuff and started, like, you know, recruiting me to come work for Under Armour. But, you know, I was in the military for 11 years. I did 11 years in the U.S. Coast Guard, and it became the time where my kids, I wasn't with their mom. We had separated, and I, I just got tired of traveling. So I told them when they moved me back to San Francisco, I said, listen, I'm not moving no more. So when Under Armour offered me the job, it was in Oregon. And I said, listen, if I can't work for my office in Oakland, then I can't take the job. And then, you know, and then I didn't take the job. And then that was the best decision I ever made. Wow. Wow. Now, you also did that with Cam Newton, right? Yeah. I, well, that was one of in my partnership with them. They had me do. Um, so it was the same thing as Steph Curry, too. Uh, this is when Cam was his MVP season. He was doing the Superman, opened the shirt up. So I had took the Steph Curry twos because Steph Curry's favorite team is Carolina. So I said, oh, let me let me play with this Superman theme. So I made the shoe where if you zip down the tongue, it went like this. It was a Superman logo in there. So mm -hmm. Cam wore it to the Super Bowl. He wore it to the Super Bowl media day. And a photographer got a, seen it and just started snapping pictures. That went viral. Um, Dan Ravel from ESPN found out through the conversation. I was like, hey, those are FBCC's shoes. Why y'all not tagging them? And then he found that, and I got to do an interview with ESPN on that. Because then again, in the, in the year where Under Armour shoes are not popular, two times right there, I made this shoe go viral for looking good. You know, right. so, and then that's when they, like, after that, after the Super Bowl, that's when they, like, offered me the job. But the funny thing is, they were upset about Cam Newton's shoes going viral because on the side of the shoe, I had the panther claw like this, like scratching the shoe and open the shoe up. But the panther claw, because it wasn't enough space, so it only showed like three and a half panther claws. So a lot of people thought he was wearing Adidas uh, because, because of the panther claw uh, striking on the side. But you. so the person from Under Armour who actually uh, – had me do Cam, had me do Cam shoe because Cam didn't like Under Armour stuff. He was like, "Look, I heard you got a guy named D that does crazy stuff. Have him hook my shoes up." 
So when when the shoe went viral in the Under Armour me and my guy whose name is Dre Wright, he's like this in the chair because they're like, who the hell gave him those shoes? And like like they're mad, they're upset. Then the Super Bowl happens in the halftime show. I think it's Coldplay. They all got on custom Jordans. So as soon as the Super Bowl's over, they're like, hey, who had those custom shoes? We need to meet that guy. So I went from my guy being like this to now being the guy like, oh, yeah. Oh, customs is really your thing now. So that that that's when it really took off. And, you know, that's when I had my meeting in Oregon. And But after that, honestly, uh, I just knew that uh, working for corporate America, because I told them, I was like, look, the Curvy 3, it's not going to sell. Like, that shoe does not look good. It looks like a tank. Mm-hmm. And they didn't listen to me. And the Curry shoe tanked. And then from there, Under Armour went from number two in America, right after Nike, to number three past Adidas, right? Because after that, they just went down and then the whole Trump thing. But all this stuff, I have long emails I would send them about what would happen if they did X, Y, and Z. And they didn't listen to any of it. Every email that I sent them, it was proof that I was right and they were wrong. So I knew working for corporate America, it just wasn't for me. Um, talk about your ability to not sacrifice style for quality or quality for style. Because that's that really is a, um, a special balance because, you know, ball players they want to have the style, but they also want to have the quality. They don't want to have something, a situation, if you remember back in the day when N one first came out and Marbury was driving and the N one exploded. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't want a situation like that. So how do you balance having, you know, such high levels of both quality and style? So with me, I I live by it. I, my thing is, if I'm not going to wear it, I'm not selling it to you. Like I, I'll get samples and I'm just like, heck no. Funny story. My first sneaker I designed because I never designed the sneaker. And I and I kind of jumped the gun. I was like, oh man, this sneaker is so dope. I'll grab it from here. But it was my first name, it's called the Valley Victorian. I was like, I designed that. I was like, man, if they do this, this shoe is gonna be the that shoe that people are gonna want. Man, I got that first sample from China. The shoe was made out of fake leather, it was like a plastic leather. And I'm over here panicking because I done told people on Instagram I done made the dopest shoe. <laughs> Come to find out. Because I'm a rookie, when they make the first shoe for you, they're never going to use real leather. It's only a pattern sample, right? So they just want to make sure the patterns are good. If the patterns are good, you say yes, and then they'll do the real leathers. But me, since I know how to make shoes from scratch, I just went to the leather factory out here, and I remade the shoe myself, and then I sent it to them to copy. So I actually made the first shoe by hand and then sent it to them. That's another thing that a lot of these so-called sneaker designers can't do. They don't know how to sew. They've never worked a sewing machine. But I know how to do those things. So when I got it and I was like, oh, then I made it myself. But in me doing that, that's what really made me be able to create so many different styles so fast. Because the guy said, yo, I've never worked with anybody who could actually make the shoes themselves. And we all know the best thing about China is they know how to copy everything. Right. So if you can make it yourself first and then give it to them, this way I don't I don't have to wait eight months for a sample. I don't have to wait sample correction. I literally get it right the first time when they because I already made the shoe for them to copy. Wow. Um so so you you mentioned that you that um, Under Armour did offer your position, but Nike offered you a position to come and work for them as well, right? No, no, Nike never offered me a position because I could have worked at Nike when I was at the Fashion Institute. Uh-huh. The uh, director there, when I first uh, uh, applied for the school, he was like, "What do you want to do when you graduate?" I said, "I want to work for Nike." And then, um, so after I would say after the first quarter, 
semester or whatever they ask you again, like, what do you want to do when you graduate? I said, I want to work for Nike. By the end of the second quarter, mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to work for Nike anymore because I looked up the I looked up the pay scale for the designers, right? So entry level was like 70, 80 grand. The highest designer, which I think was Mark Doce at the time, he was making like 320K a year. Remember, I told you I was a customizer. I had invented this dye for rubber. So, like, say a shoe like this right here, this bottom sole, like how it's mint green. Right. So I would make a dye that could that could eat into that and make it red, and it would stay. It would be permanent. It's called sole dye. So, and I used to sell a half ounce little plastic bottle for twenty five dollars. Right. Okay. It cost me at the time probably like a dollar to make. And I was selling for $25 plus $3 shipping. So it was all profit. So I would go to school by the time, you know, we get to school at 730, I'd have made $1,200. And that's literally an hour from when people woke up to buy it. So I was making 56 grand a month just off of selling customizing products to my people. And I started doing the math. So after my first six months of college, I was like, I'm already making more than the Nike designer. And then I also, when you asked me like, What's the difference between like these, like why um, your oppressor won't finance your freedom? Mm-hmm. Because I can literally get $100,000 in school loans, but they won't give you $15,000 to start a business. Because mm-hmm. when you owe somebody $100,000, that's for a lot of people, that's a 30-year payout. Right. So you owe somebody for 30 years. 15000 you can give somebody and that, that thing works, they're going to pay you back within a year. They don't make any money like that. When when you owe a, 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 a large amount, six figures, that's a lot of money for somebody mm-hmm. to pay off, especially when they're getting out of college because they start entry level. Now they're paying all this debt. They won't be able to own a house. They're barely, they'll have roommates, you know. B- but if you got a great idea, like, look, I want to start a sneaker store. I got these beautiful designs. I know they're going to sell out the first time I do it. Just loan me 15000 So I knew that just from the school loan thing, I knew I wouldn't be able to get a loan for a real business. So one thing that I always loved, I love Shark Tank. And I watch Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And everybody on Shark Tanks makes so much money, but they sell you 50% of their company for $100,000. Everything is, yeah, we made $4 million, But for $100,000, you go on 20% of our company. That's always their valuation. Right. So I said, listen, if I could save $100,000, I will never be on Shark Tank, and I have enough money to fund any business I want. So when I was making all of that money, I'm telling you about with the soul dye, I was eating top ramen, beef jerky. I would never eat a good meal until Friday. I would get a steak, lobster, shrimp, but one day out of the week, even though I had all of this money, I would never eat like I was making. I was still eating like a broke college kid because I said I got to save as much money as possible because I know that my oppressor is not going to finance this dream that I have at all. So... And that happened. Once I graduated college, I had over a hundred something thousand dollars saved up. The military paid for my school, so I had no school loans. Mm-hmm. And now I had all of the ample opportunity and finances to do my dream without anybody telling me no or anything. So let's go back to Kyrie. Um, you you made the video and the response from the video that everybody, you know, kind of tagged you in it, you know, to try to connect you with Kyrie. Um, and walk us through what happened after after that point. Okay, so um, so after I made the video, I got a DM from Kyrie's manager, Chantella Irving, mm-hmm. saying, hey, send me an email. He gave me the email. 
you know, I sent the email and then they were like, um, when are you available, you know, for a Zoom call? And I said, whenever you guys are, I'm free. Like, whatever y'all want, we can do it right now. You know, so that we had a schedule for Friday, not this Friday that just passed, but the, the prior Friday. Okay. And we had it at, so we, we had that set up. And in between that meeting, I also sent them a shoe that we're working on called the Evo Bounce, which is a, a performance basketball shoe. So I sent them some images of it, and they, she hit me right back. She was like, when can you get – because I had my Photoshop guy mock it up in like a Brooklyn Nets colorway and put a number 11 on it. And they were like, when could you get us this shoe? And I was like, well, right now we're in the sole process, so we're making the sole and adding the technology to it. And um, But I said, as soon as we're done, I'll send you as many samples as you need. You know, so that was great because I could tell by how fast they responded that they liked the design of the shoe. So that's one thing that I'm not, I have no issue. I I don't have any worries about is designing a dope looking basketball shoe for, for Kyrie. Then from there, we had the meeting. So the meeting is on Friday. So we're on a Zoom call and it's me, Chantella, and I'm sorry if I'm saying her name wrong, um, Dredd, which is Kyrie's dad, and sure. another uh, gentleman who's his brand manager, so we're us three on a call, and then Chantel is quarterback in the call, and she tells the gentleman to basically tell me about themselves. So it's like they're pitching me. And I'm like, wow, I think I should be pitching myself to y'all, you know. Right. So Kyrie's dad, man, super cool, super down to earth. He's telling me, you know, like how he worked in finance and all of these things. He's like, you know, from the Bronx. I'm like, yeah, New York, we in here, you know. Um, and then uh, so he told me about himself and everything. Uh he was super cool, like the, the the vibe was super dope. And then it was his uh the brand manager. He told me how he started with Kyrie because he used to work at Nike, but then he quit Nike to work solely with Kyrie. How he helps his sister with her branding and all the stuff like that. And then Chantella is last. She tells me, you know, her from working at BT to all the different companies she worked for, launching Power 1051 and stuff like that. And then they asked me about myself. So I'm telling them how I started you know, my whole background on fashion design and all of those things. And then they're pitching questions. So one of the questions she wanted to know was like, um, you know, how long have, have I been doing this? Um, my company, our sales, I'm like, you know, we started in 2019. We've done over 40 million in sales without any advertisement at all. I refuse to pay for advertisement. I just believe in word of mouth. And I feel like that creates longevity. Mm -hmm. And paying for advertising, I just feel like you're not really getting your core basis like forced customers. She liked that as well. Um, then I told them, they asked me about uh, technology, if I had any patents uh, on technology. And I said, uh, right now we do have a new phone that we're developing and it's just it's just about done. So we'll be putting that patent on that. But then I just kept it uh, uh, very honest. I said, listen, no matter what technology I design and I patent, China's going to steal it if they want to steal it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just that's just the way it is. Like, no matter what you design, if China wants to steal it, they're going to steal it. They steal Nike stuff all the time. But really? I said, you, one thing you will not have a worry of is technology and whatever he wants his shoe to feel like and whatever he wants in there, we can do it. The thing is that these avenues of all of this stuff have never been open to us mm. because an athlete or, you know, they've always been just an endorsee. They've never right. been in it, right? So 
so Nike's not going to take you to their factories and be like, yeah, this is where we get, this is our air cushioning, this is this, this is that, this is such and such who runs the factory, you can email them at any, they're not going to give you that, they're going to keep that gate closed. I said, I can open all of those gates for you. And my whole, you know, pitch with them at, at the end of the day, I said, listen, I'm not doing this for the money. Like, I'm set for life. I, I own real estate. I, I'm good. My kids are good. Like, I'm not doing this for that. I'm doing this for the message that this sends. Like, mm-hmm. this is transcending. If we can make this happen, and who better to do this than a player like Kyrie, right? Because at the end of the day, Kobe wanted to do something like this. He wanted to start Mamba Sports. He did not want to resign with Nike because he opened his eyes and he knew that there was another way to do this and that it's not that all of this stuff that only Nike could do it. Look at Dwayne Wade with leaning. Their shoes are outperforming Nike shoes. When you watch we're testing type videos, their shoes are outperforming the Nike shoes. So Nike is not the superior tech thing. And plus all of that tech is any is monetary. Anybody can get it if you got the money, right? It, it, it's not. Look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He played what twenty years in Converse Chuck Taylors. Like a lot of some of this tech is just like the shoe just needs to be a good foam. You need to have a good shank plate. You know what I'm saying? And a good lockdown. That's really all a basketball shoe really needs. But we can take it to that next level and add the extra cushion, add the extra foams, add the custom orthotics. All of these things. We this is not hard, but because we've never been um, privy to this information, to us it seems so foreign. Right. You know, I it, I, I posted on Instagram um, that Adidas and Puma, you know, um, have reached out to Kyrie Irving for possible sponsorship deals. And I posted it alongside with an article that I wrote for um, Basketball News um, called Nike Employed ADL Tactics as it officially drops Kyrie. And um, I tagged you in it. And a lot of other people were tagging you in it as well. And uh, let me read your comment. And I want you to expound on this comment, if you could. Um, You commented, if you just want an endorsement deal, then sign with whomever. Um, And they will, whoever pays you the most. Um, But as soon as you say something they don't agree with, it's goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you really want to make a change and create a movement, ownership is the only way. And I want you to expound on that um, as it relates to Kyrie and and the possibility of him coming um, to to, to work with you. Right. So basically that's saying once you take that check, you are just an employee. There's no power in taking a check. You're set. Like these are the times where you take a chance. Like, for example, I'll, I'll explain that into my own story. I was in the military. I've already done 11 years. Most people who've served in the military, once you pass 10 years, you don't you don't get out of the military because you only need two more transfers and you retire, you get your retirement. Mm-hmm. So you get, at, most jobs don't pay you right at 20 once you end it. The military, once you do 20 years, you're done. But I'm gonna tell you what happened. In my 11th year in the military, I said, I was doing the custom shoes. I'm going to the post office with 10 boxes of shoes that I've customized for people, making over $4,000 out of those 10 shoes that I did. I'm on the line and I'm looking at the mail clerk and I'm looking dead at him, look miserable. And and I asked myself, I say, there's no way when he was a kid that he told his mom, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to sell stamps for a living. No, that's just what life's Life throws everybody on curveballs, right? right? So he probably has kids, and he's like, well, look, this is going to pay for them 
to go and live their dream. I, as a dad, didn't want to tell my kids, like, you can chase your dreams. You can be whatever you want. But how can I say that if I never did it? I had all this talent, but I stayed in a job that really I don't want to do, but I'm doing it because I've, I've like, just said, you know what? I'm going to give up my dreams so you can do yours. Or can I be that super brave dad and say, look, I got this comfortable job. I get paid the first and 15th. I don't even need to worry about doctors, dentists. They tell me when I got to go to the dentist. They tell me when I go to the doctor. This is the easiest thing. I can be complacent and just ride this wave, or I can be, or I can take that danger leap. When I got out of the when I got out of the Coast Guard, I had only because I had the I had a humanitarian transfer. So what that means is we had a like a, a very harsh hardship in my family, which I had to move back here from New York. But in the military, if you do a hardship transfer, you have to fund and finance your own move back. So I I basically had to spend my whole savings account of like fifteen thousand dollars at the time to move back to California. So when I got out of the military, I only had $1,300 left in my bank. And I had a, a $900 car and on a $1,300 apartment. Uh-huh. So it was either when I got out, that's it. It was either you got one month to live or one month to drive. Right. And from that day forward, I told myself, I said, this will be the last time in life that I ever feel like have somebody has this much power over me. Like I'm literally close to being homeless or you know what I'm saying? I'm like this close to being homeless because I'm taking this chance. And I still did it. And then I just started taking custom orders. Who want their shoes custom? Who want their shoes custom? I said, all I got to do is make it to September. This is July 14th, 2014. That was my last day in the military. And I've never struggled. I ended that year making more money than I ever made in my life up until that point because I went out there and I was brave. And I went and I hustled even harder because when you're an entrepreneur, you got to fish and catch what you, you can only eat what you catch. And I lived that life. And that's why I said, I, even though I was making this money, I was still living like I'm eating top ramen because I said, I never want to go back to that where I'm literally one check away from being homeless. So with Kyrie's situation is you're set. You're financially set. What's another 11 million a year going to do for you when you could easily make that? We make more than $11 million a year at this company alone. So you can do that. You have 20 million followers. I have 390, if that. And if I can make that much, and then you have my talent, my skill set on your team, I guarantee you I can make you more than $11 million a year. None of those companies can pay you more than what me and you can generate together. And then in addition, you know, the, 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 the background as to how we got to this point. So let me just remind all the all the listeners about how we got to this point. So Nike announced about about a week or two ago, maybe two weeks ago, um, that they were officially cutting ties with Kyrie Irving um, due to him sharing the link to the documentary Hebrews and Negroes. Um, and it's interesting because this was this was shortly after they canceled his signature signature line. Mm-hmm. And so you know, after nearly a, a decade long. Um, run of success with Nike, you know, they just dropped him. Phil Knight said he crossed the line. There's a, the, the video of Phil Knight saying, he, basically, he crossed the line and that's it. I'm very comfortable with my decision. We no longer want him to be a part of us because he crossed the line. Mm-hmm. And just the, the fact that 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 now with that he that he would have the ability to not have to worry about somebody dropping him if he crossed the line, if he signed with um, Sia Collective. And, and, and I want you to talk more about the 100% ownership part of his shoe. Because the fact that he, if you have 100% ownership of your shoe, 
um, you know, nobody can drop you like that. It's it's a different situation. So talk about that aspect of it and how that would be different from from Kyrie's relationship with uh, with Nike. Right. So my thing with with telling him the whole hundred percent ownership is like one thing about Kyrie. I don't care how anybody feels about him. That brother gives. He loves his community. He's always donating. So I'm that same type of person. So I said, listen, I will donate my time. Like you don't. He doesn't have to sign with Saya. He can start. He has the Kai Foundation. He can have his shoes under that. And I could be creative director. What I'm saying is I can get you exactly what you need. I can design exactly what you need. When you are owner, it's like say right now, if I own this Mercedes Benz car, I can put whatever I want on that car. I own it. Mercedes can't say I can write on it. F Mercedes. They can drive it down the street. It's my property. They can't say, hey, we want you to give us a car back. No, I'm not leasing this. I own this. Right. You, like when you're when you're assigned to a company, you're leased. You're you're leasing. They're leasing your work. You know, they're leasing your likeness to sell their product. And then once that lease agreement is over, they still own that. You got to give back that car. Right. And then you go on and do whatever you want to do. But right. that car, that shoe is theirs. You're just it's just leasing like the same thing with Kanye. He they were leasing his trademark. But mm-hmm. those shoe designs were theirs. So that's how they can eat. OK, we're going to boom. Now this is ours. But you can go and put Kyrie on another shoe. Just not this one, you know, and they even own the logo. So the K with the with the I in the middle, of it, I'm sure you won't get that logo. We've seen the same thing with uh, Kawhi Leonard when he went to New Balance. So they own all of that. They're just leasing your name for a, a set amount of dollars a year in royalties. But what's your deal going to look like if you go New Balance, if you go Adidas? You already know how Adidas gets down. Mm-hmm. So why would you put yourself in that position it is it do you think that they can design something better because i promise you on my daughter's grave nobody at adidas is designing better looking basketball sneakers i mean their basketball sneakers don't even look good so if it's about design that's not the way to go mm-hmm. if it's about new balance that's not the way to go if it's technology i can prove to your team we have the technology we can kill everything that's out there but if it's about the culture this is where it needs to be at. He needs to be the guy to lead this culture because what's going to happen? Kyrie does this and now he makes 200 million in a year. Guess what? Good luck trying to sign these AAU players in 10 years. Good luck because now right out the bat rookie season, they actually have enough to change their whole family's life without even waiting for that rookie contract to hit or that second contract to hit. They are now power brokers in this sneaker industry. Black athletes have led the sneaker industry in sales. This is why the sneaker industry even exists, because of black athletes. Our horsepower is the one pushing this engine. It's us. And and how has the um, response been from Kyrie and his team as to where we are now? So um, from the from the uh, initial uh, meeting and everything, one thing that was cool that I got to mention is mm-hmm. uh, you said it. You see people tag. You see my video. So people who actually personally know Kyrie's manager was calling her on the phone at all times of the night. She told me, she said, I, she said, I, I'm getting calls at all times of the night. Somebody I used to work with at BT is like, hey, just call him. And I was like, I apologize. She was like, no, no, you don't have to apologize. That's a compliment because mm-hmm. she's like, and it's beautiful to see how dope our people are when we come together, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of people was calling her and vouching for me and what I could do. So, like I said, after the interview was over, she sent me an email. It was like, great call. We'll be reconnecting. So I haven't 
I haven't checked my email today yet, but I haven't heard anything back from them yet. I'm sure they're listening to, you know, all of these other people and what they have and what they have to offer. You know, and if they go with me or not, I will still lend my skills to Kyrie because I feel like as much as he has done for the community and his donations, I don't have an ego about this, but it would be unfortunate because this this paradigm could be shifted right now. But if not, then it just means it's not in the cards, right? God didn't have a plan to be for Kyrie to be that person. But what is not going to stop is me really going hard with this performance basketball shoe part of my company. Now, that is my bread. That is like everything I'm focused on right now. I'm just want to design. Uh, I want to design a performance beast because I just got to show these young black kids that we can do it, that it can be done. So if I could do it and make it happen, then guess what? Somewhere down the line, it's going to happen again. It may not be me pushing the ball, but somebody is going to be inspired by what I'm doing, and they're going to take it to that next level. And I promise you, we're going to have one top NBA athlete sooner or later that's going to be all black-owned and going to help shift this paradigm that we, are, that we can, that I envision. You know, I want, I, want to, I want you to touch on a little bit because you mentioned a few times a lot of the stuff that you do back in the community in Oakland. And I think it's amazing the stuff that you do with the um, young people and you're teaching them to sew. And this is really falls right in line with what Kyrie has a passion of as far as giving back to the community. Um, so talk a little bit about what, what you do and how you're teaching them how to sew and make their own products and make their own clothes to actually maybe even be future designers themselves. Right. So um, one thing that I like like I told you, like me learning how to do shoes, my, my mentor, he gave me the machine, but he said, I'm not going to do it for you. You got to do the work. So I just use what somebody gave to me. Now, he never charged me. So I don't feel like when I do my classes, I don't want money to be the reason why your kid cannot have an advantage to learn because learning should be free. I was blessed with a God-given talent to be able to do these things. Just I can think it and I can do it. That's something that was a gift. So when you when you're given a gift, you do have to to pass that gift down, because if all you have when you leave this earth is your own success, then you haven't succeeded at all. So with these with these younger kids, I know, especially in Oakland, some of these kids, they don't come from a lot. So but I know as a designer, like if I can teach you how to make your own thing, you can stand out, which can also bring you money. So one thing we would do is take them to Goodwill. And I tell them you have to upcycle because one thing that's bad right now is just all of this clothes, these fast fashion, H&Ms and stuff, this clothes is just, they just get thrown out. They get worn once and thrown out and it's messing up the, it's messing up the ozone, right? Right. So, so, and then especially a lot of these clothes in these thrift shops are better quality anyway because they go back to the 90s and the 80s when people didn't shop every week for new stuff. They bought pieces that they had for a few years. So I'll tell them, you got to buy two shirts, and out of those two shirts, you got to make one out of it. So we'd have them take a shirt. They could cut it diagonal. They could cut it down the middle. So once they do that, we teach them how to stitch it back together. At the time, you know, distressing was good. So then I'd tell them how to take some sandpaper and, and rub it on the bottom of the shirt to make the shirt look like it's been worn, hit it with a little bleach, a little paint. So they would do that. They would do some pants, and then we'd have them make their own patterns to make just stuff from scratch out of fabric. And then at the end of that, their parents would come and then get to see everything they've done throughout this whole like eight week program. And they wow. do their fashion shows. Super cool. Cause I started with eight year olds. So then we went to teenagers and then the teenagers couldn't complain. I was like, Hey, we just had eight year olds do the same thing. So, right. and so it kept that thing going. So we did the kids and we did the teens. And then unfortunately the pandemic happened. 
So since the pandemic, we couldn't do that anymore. So now what I do is I'll do sneaker colorway competitions. So like, say, for example, this shoe, I'll post a picture of it and we'll let people do Photoshop. And whoever gets like the most views and like we just like the idea the most, we'll give them like $2,000 and then I'll pay for their room and board and their tuition to book the shoe space to go to a sneaker making school so they can learn how to make shoes themselves by scratch. So that's something that we do now and we're going to continue to do that because still that's my way of creating a whole nother generation of sneaker designers. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And you was doing all of this like you wasn't charging them. They, they were, they, you was teaching them for free. Yeah, for free. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, that's I feed them and everything. I pay for their, I pay for their food, their, their materials, everything, and never put it on my taxes to write it off because it wasn't for that. It was because I'm not asking the government to help my people. Mm. I'm gonna do it. This is why I said I needed to save that hundred thousand because then I don't need to ask you. I don't need donations. Never ask for a donation a day in my life. I'm going to create the, the capital for us to do what we have to do. And then I'm not waiting for no government loans, leases, none of that. Cause it happens there. Government's slow. When you got it, you can do it instantly. Like I instantly made a post and I said, Hey, it was, it was the first time I did it was Christmas break. I said, man, these kids from school for two weeks. I got this time. I said, Hey, if you want, you can come to my store, bring your kid, and I'll keep them for the two weeks that, you know, I know parents got to go to work, daycare, school's closed. Let me watch them, let them come in, and let them learn. And that's what we did, and it started from there, and then we just kept building on it and building on it and building on it. Wow, that's the, that's the spirit of Oakland seeping into you. I know you're from New York, but you've been out in Oakland for a while. That's that, that Black Panther spirit sleep, seeping into you. That's yes, great. That's amazing. So, so before I let you go, um, I want you to just show off some of your product. Um, I see okay. some of these shoes in the back. You know, I know everybody's looking at them and they're like, oh, man, they, they, they got to like, you know, zoom in on something, show us something. So just show off some of the products that you have. You want to pass me some stuff, any BB ones? So these right here are Vulture Foams. Mm. So this whole shoe is made out of foam, right? Then it has the removable insert. The okay. crazy thing about this is this is our fourth foam sneaker we've designed in a year. The first one we did, Nike instantly copied it. Then uh, Adidas copied it. So we're even ahead of the big guys on on things like this. And the reason why I did foam is because one, you can make it cheaper than you can a leather sneaker. Because people have to sew this, they have to stitch it, they have to do patterns. This gets made in a machine and it just molded and it comes out done. But also, everybody was in the pandemic, nobody was going to work. So people wanted real comfortable stuff. Right. Easily. So I saw that before, and I knew after the pandemic, we were going to get hit with a recession. It always happens that way. I already knew that. So right. I said, I need recession stuff. So this was my recession-proof plan, right? So this is the Vulture Foams. We have, we have our 678 right here. All right. All right. Right, so we got that one. We have our – this is the first sneak I designed, but it just wasn't this colorway. This is the VV1, the Valley Victorian. Okay. This shoe has real snake on it. Oh my god. All right. So this shoe, super nice, super great quality. Um, this is my first shoe I made in Portugal. It's made with all Italian materials. This is called the Inverno, which means winter in Portuguese, and that's my youngest daughter's name. Mm. So I had designed this off for her. So that's that one. What else we got? Uh, we got the Evos. The Evos. Those are the ones you 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 did for Kyrie, right? 
uh, Evo Bounce. So this is the running shoe. Okay. This is Evo Bounce that we're doing right now. That's sick. Um, I'm just waiting. We're putting the tech in it right now because once I get it, I'm going to have them cut the shoe in half and send it to all these YouTubers who do their videos when they cut them in half. And I want you to explain this technology so they can see that this ain't just luxury. We do have the technology too. Right. Then, uh, we got the Tiger Kings. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, this is Run V2. Okay. So, how do, how do you, how do you, let me ask you, how do you keep a Nike or an Adidas from copying your stuff? Like, how, do, how can you stop them from doing that? Well, you got to put your patent in. So, like this shoe, so we would have to have the black and white and we submit it for our patent. So then if they, so that's where you get your trade dress. That's how, like, all of these guys are getting sued by Nike because they're copying the Jordan 1 and just changing the logo. So you get your, so your shoe, your shoe in the black and white form, like the blueprint, you got to patent that. So you patent that, you own that trade dress for like 20 years. So then if they try to copy it, then that's how you can, that's how you can get, you know, away from them doing that. So. Okay. So do you patent yours so they can't do that moving forward? No, we do. We do. We keep all, we keep all of, yeah. Okay. We're designing them so fast, like yeah. I wish. Um, oh yeah, let me get that one. This is another one we make in Portugal. This sole is hand cut, so this is not made in a mold. Somebody cuts this sole. That's why it has this shape, like of of like hard edges. Okay. It's actually hand cut. So right. this shoe is handmade. Like nobody is making handmade shoes like that, right? Oh. Do you got one of our other tread shoes? Okay. So we also do Montrez Harold's signature shoe. Right, right, right. I saw that. You you have that one? Yeah, let me get a, a different uh it's a, they're over there on the other side of that wall. That's the one that opens up, right? Yeah, here, here go. I got it. Here it goes. So with Montrez, right, he wanted a low top shoe and he plays the center position. So one thing I wanted, I said, uh, do you come down hard on your heel? He said, yes. Yeah. So I said, we're going to double load up on the foam on the heel. So if you see the heel, right. it it's, it's, it's larger because when he's coming down, even though he wants it to run like a runner, but you also want that heel cushioning, right? So we have it double loaded there. And on the bottom, this is a, this is a darker glow saw, but we have a carbon fiber shank plate through the middle. And what a shank plate does is it, it doesn't allow the shoe to bend. Right, oh. so like that issue they had with the with the uh, uh, Zion shoe when they, he snapped his foot out of it. Right, he didn't have a shank plate in there. He just had foam. Right, oh. so a shank plate allows it to bounce back, and that kinetic energy returns. So when you're stomping, the the carbon fiber shank plate will then return that energy back to you through the EVA foam. So and then this shoe has a zipper to protect yeah. the laces. That's what I saw. Yeah, that's dope. So in this shoe, this shoe is made with real suede. All right, this is real. This this right here is real patent leather. So the other side of this shiny is actually mm -hmm. real leather, where you see the hairs from the from the leather, because the other side of leather is suede. And then this part right here is a synthetic. It's a it's a black reflective. So if a camera flashes on this, it looks like a black rainbow. Wow. So this was his, so this was his first shoe. It's called Ball All Night. So now we're working on his second shoe. This is this is a shoe right here. This is another shoe we got. Okay. And this one, you know, I love Kobe, so I had to put Mambo on the back. Nah, that's dope. Look real close, you see Kobe's face, like right yeah, there. That's dope. And then I also made, I also made a. Let me show you this real quick. This is super dope. I made a watch because I design watches too. You're gonna love this. 
right. to, to honor Kobe. Oh, wow. You see Kobe's face in there? I, I see it. Oh, that's dope. And only numbers that I highlight is the 8 and the 24. That's dope. So that's the only numbers highlighted is 8 and 24. It's got the black diamonds. It's got the real snakeskin band for the black mamba. And then it's got the... And this is... I designed this whole watch from scratch. It's wow. automatic Swiss movement. No TikTok, no batteries. Like, I don't play. Like, even my glasses. Everything. And that's what I, that's another thing Kyrie's team wanted to know. Like, what do you design? I said everything. Everything. I said yeah. from my head to my feet, I'm only wearing sire. Like, my underwear. Every, I said anything you guys want to do, I've done it already. And wow. to the highest of quality. Like, this watch, I can sell for thousands of dollars. Like, it's a black diamond watch with yellow diamonds. It's got the yellow diamond in the eye at the top, the python. Like, wow. Like, this is beautiful. But yeah, we do, I do all of that. Like this is this is literally what I'm passionate about. And I know that nobody is doing it to this level just yet. But I know soon we're gonna have a lot, we're gonna have a lot of dope, dope young African American designers that's gonna turn the industry upside down for sure. For sure, for sure. And you mentioned the AU crowd and the people who want know. So you wanna, you know, keep signing people after this. I mean, I know you're working with Montrez Harrell. I think I saw you work with was it Andre Drummond. Yeah, Andre Drummond. He wants to do a lifestyle shoe. Yep, Andre right. Drummond wants to do a lifestyle shoe. Right. So you want to have create an entire thing where you have an alternative where guys can have an entire different situation where they don't have to be on pins and needles for what they're saying, what they believe, or anything like that, in fear of getting dropped by Nike or Adidas or whatever like that if they don't agree with what you're saying. And you really customize, and they allow, and and you're giving them input into the shoe. So that's another thing that other companies don't. It's like a fight. To, to, to have input in your shoe. They just want to say, this is a shoe that you're wearing, right? And, and, yeah, and one thing we're going to do, like I said, we're going hard with the performance basketball shoes. So, like, when the Evo Bounce comes out, there's a lot of players in the NBA that have absolutely no type of deal. Like, Montrez taught me so much about the league. Like, when he was doing Reebok, all they give him was, like, you can just go on the website and pick some items you want. They're not even getting monetary. I could literally design uh, uh, the shoe, have the shoe made and say, listen, I'm going to give you $100,000 just to wear our shoes only for the, for the whole NBA season. We're going to give you all the shoes. Plus, you're going to get $100,000. Like, and then right. that'll get them thinking like, because the NBA is not, not the NBA, but a lot of these brands are not giving basketball players sneaker deals anymore because now the rappers are the, the musicians are the influencers. Like, nobody wants to, nobody wants to really wear like the LeBron James shoes with, 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 jeans and stuff anymore the shoes that got too technical they they moved away from it being more lifestyle with the real leathers so mm. when you can come in and do both and now you have a dope sneaker they're like oh that sneaker's actually dope and you're a player now we can start bringing that back to where the player is the influencer and not the the entertainers wow wow okay so last question i'll let you wrap it up here last pitch to uh, Kyrie. give the full quick pitch to him, why it would be beneficial for him to, to sign with Side Collective, everything that he's going to be able to do that's going to be different than going with the other companies, give the last full, you know, full court press uh, pitch to him. Here we go. So, Kyrie, the reason why you should rock with us is because, one, we're going to change the culture. Two, ownership, something we have to teach our people how to be owners and not workers, to be able to be free and be who you are. Even when you're not wrong and other people say you're wrong, when you're not wrong and be able to just drop you. We don't need that anymore. We need to encourage 
looking outside for answers because that's all he was doing. You're just looking for more knowledge. The seeking of knowledge should never be punishment, right? right? We should never be punished for trying to seek knowledge. That's knowledge itself, right? But other than that, we are the culture. We make all this stuff fly. We made Nikes fly. We made it fly the way we put it on Mm -hmm. because we just have that in us. We come from that. So design, you know we can do that. You know how to design. I know you've designed shoes. But now you get to work with somebody and get that fun. How fun is it to sit here and really design your own shoe for your own company and really get to learn these things? Because learning is life. If you're not learning, you're not living. Taking another check from a New Balance or any of these other people is the same thing. We don't, you don't need the same thing. You have generational wealth already. Now, let's create generational knowledge. Let's teach knowledge itself to our people. Let's build the infrastructure to change. Because at the end of the day, Kobe was going to do this. And everybody know, Kobe was your mentor. And we want you to finish what he started. That would be the ultimate pay. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's powerful. Um, you know, much respect to you. I love what you're about. Um, I, I love everything that you're doing. I mean, the giving back part, the, the everything. And, and, you know, moving forward, I really see this blowing up. You know what I mean? Like everything that you laid out, like this this interview, and I'm sure you do plenty of interviews where you're saying the same thing, but this interview, I want to show it to a lot of the young athletes coming up to, to change their way of thinking, you know, to thinking of in, a, in an ownership type of a mentality of how, you know, having the, the freedom to be able to be who they want to be without having to walk on pins and needles because they're, fe- they're, they're fearing getting dropped by their shoe company. You know what I mean? This starts a whole revolution. So all I got to say is much respect to you. Um, tell everybody your website, your Instagram, and uh, I'll let you go. I appreciate you coming on, too. Man, thank you. So the website is www.siacollective.com. Instagram is Sia underscore collective. And other Instagram is FBCC Bay Area. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for interviewing me and actually getting this message out. This is what we need just as a community is to be able to just keep pushing and getting that message forward. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.